0: Thanks Lefefe, um, we, we had a week in a in few days, two, three days in Johannesburg, it was part of the NCMR, um, all our partnering churches got together for what they call the National Elders, it's kind of all the kind of different elders from different um, churches come together, there were six or seven hundred of us there, and absolutely profound, Tyron. Preached br- absolutely brilliantly. I mean, he has is the authority and the revelation that he's preaching with was absolutely profound, and um, really amazing to see. And he's going to be with us next Sunday night with the, the kind of a few of the churches, all the kind of relating churches, anybody else that wants to come is going to be here. So it's going to be an incredible time of worship and hearing the apostolic heart of God. As a man that that uh, is uh, leads the team that is NCMR. It is profound to have him back. We haven't heard him for three in person for three years, odd. And it is wonderful to have that deposit in the city. So uh, plan to come twice next weekend. Do something outrageous and radical. Come to church twice. You can only get blessed. Only get blessed. And it is wonderful to be connected to churches around the city. So it really is fantastic. It is, it is a... Just Don Turner, friends. I mean, some of you will know Don Turner. He'd been in this church for many years. And um, having conversations with him on Sunday at church, he didn't wake up on Monday morning. Friends, I just want to say, it's exciting that he's in heaven. It's exciting that he is with Jesus. I preached a preach on Good Friday called What Happens to Us When We Die. Go and listen to that, because that's kind of where Don is now. But friends, I want to say this. Don't leave on the table or don't leave undone what you should be getting done because you don't know if you're going to wake up. It's just the reality. I'm not trying to put fear in us. I'm not trying to kind of, I'm just saying, guys, let's not let what needs to be said, make sure you say it, make sure you do it because you don't know. You do not know. And thank God that Don is right with the Father. He, he, he died with faith. He didn't. He, he lived the life of faith, and he went to be the, with the Father in faith. And um, it's, it's, we grieve, and we, we're going to miss him, but he's with the Father, with Jesus. Yeah, friends, so all of these things happen all at once. You have baby, babies being born, and people dying, and people getting married, and national elders, and life just carries on. And we've had, over the last little while, we've had... Um, well, last year we had Peter Rasmussen speaking and we had Chris Venon speaking. And we had, this year we had, um, what's his name? Greg Haswell. Greg and Michelle Haswell. And we had uh, Chanel last weekend. So just so you know, those people that are invited in here, we don't give away this pulpit lightly. What gets preached from the pulpit and gets agreed to in the seat, in our hearts, is what gets established in our lives you can agree to lies and it'll get established in your life or you can agree to truth and you'll get set free by being it being established in your life and so when we have these gifts coming in like Tyrant coming in and the following weekend we've got Chris Venant is back in town he's gonna be preaching on the Sunday morning these the, we they specifically we we kind of say, God who who for us what do we need what gift do we need that can help us build, not just bless. Build. So when a when an Ephesians four gift steps into the pulpit and and preaches, what they do is they leave something of their gift behind. They don't just exercise their gift. So an Ephesians four prophet leaves prophecy behind. People begin to get awakened to a prophetic heart. An apostolic gift like Chris is leaves a deposit of the apostolic in the life of the church, and so. We were meant to be starting a series on our values this, this weekend. And I just thought, you know what, we've had these incredible words from Peter, uh, Peter Rass and Chris and Greg Haswell, and I mean, they, they were last year, but more recently, Greg Haswell and, and Michelle Haswell and Chanel. We can't just move on because last week was a profound weekend for us, equipping and training in the prophetic. Um, just God doing something profound in the morning of this, this deposit and, and those words that Chanel spoke about what we were commended for and what, what we were going to emphasize in the next season is prophetically what she was stirring and feeling. And then in the evening with Chanel, an amazing, amazing meeting. Many words got people got powerfully, powerfully prophesied to and unlocked something. You can't just kind of move on. Otherwise, that's a blessing, and we just carry on. We receive the blessing. Friends, we don't want to just receive blessing. We want to build with those words. You want to take those words and say, What does that mean? And we kind of want to revisit them and say, well, What does that mean for our future? I loved how Michelle Haswell got up here, not knowing anything about our building dilemma and what's happening, and where, coming and saying, God wants to supernaturally give you land and buildings. Remember that. You see, that's the heart of God coming to us from people from outside. It's a blessing to us. And then Greg goes and talks about pulling the king's carriage. And then Chanel comes last weekend and she she says we've got to cross the Jordan, not knowing that we've been singing the song that was written in-house that Brandon sang this morning about, about crossing the Jordan. And she says these things, seven lean years behind you, but seven fat years ahead of you. It's, it stirs something in the life of the church because in Ephesians 4 gift is depositing it and now we've got to take that, believe it and begin to build with it an expectation of what that looks like so what I want to do is I want to take the first half of what I want to say this morning and talk about those two words that have come and just massage again begin to just just highlight them again friends we are on a journey as a church it's, church is not something that you come to on a Sunday then go home and then come the next Sunday That's not the kind of culture, church culture we want to build. The kind of church culture we want to build is a kingdom culture where the kingdom of God is carried by the priests of, uh, which is every single one of us, and we are ministered to inside the building. We minister to others inside the building, but we continue to minister to others outside the building. It's not about a Sunday meeting. It's about what God is doing in a city and in a region and in a nation and in the nations. And you have a part to play in that. You've got to believe that. Gotta believe that. You've got to believe you are the carrier of the kingdom culture. The way you display it, the way we display it out there in, in public is what happens. That's the picture of the church the world gets. It can be a good one that reflects Jesus well, or it can be a poor one that reflects him terribly. It can be one that reflects him well and invites people into the kingdom of God and to find Jesus or it can actually just make them turn their backs on it and think oh wow if that's what it is i don't want that it's absolutely critical that we understand that so let's just quickly go through what greg said there's i put us some slides together pulling the king's carriage he said this he said it's like we horses that are called to pull the king's carriage the carriage carry the presence of god and we have a choice to be the horse that lives in the paddock and eats apples because we're blessed and we are or we can choose to allow God to shape us form us train us so that we can be people that carry his presence If you haven't if you weren't and you didn't listen to that message go back it's on the podcast profound profound word to us So you can you can refuse to be trained by God Is the slides going up there, Brad? It's the previous one. There we go. You can refuse to be trained by God. And just live in the blessing of Jesus and live a small life in the paddock. Or we can choose to be disciplined by God. That's what discipline means training. It's not punishment. Not punished by God. going through tough time is not the punishment of God for you. God says what you will face, tough times you'll face suffering, and what you call to do is to recognize that tough time, that challenge, as the training of God. Something needs to be adjusted in me so that I can get through that, and Jesus will help me get through that. We don't shy away and we think oh, we lose faith when we go through tough times, friends. No, actually what we do is we press into the, into the presence of God. We press into the word of God. We press into prayer. We press into the community, our friends around us, and we allow God to do inside us what he wants to do. Because Greg said this wonderful thing. His dream for us governs his dealings with us. Take that in. His dream for you and me will govern God's dealings with you and me. God is a father. We are his sons and daughters. And the the plan that you were born to do, God will deal with you and allow things to shape you so that you can become the person that fulfills that plan. And most of that, friends, is around our character. And he wants to build faith in the time of tough times. Don't shy away from it. He also said this, his dream for, um, God delights, God's delight governs his discipline for us and is always for our good, was another statement he made. So his dreams govern the training process he puts us through. And remember this, it's God's delight in you. You never, we must never ever forget the delight that we have in God's eyes because of the work of Jesus. And it's always for our good allow God in these moments to say God what are you teaching me not God where are you are you have you forsaken me it's no God actually you're so close what are you teaching please teach me please put more faith in my heart he made this other statement I've said that already you can refuse the training And you miss the privilege, the ultimate privilege of our walk with God, which is to carry His presence. Wherever He wants us to go, whether it's to another nation, whether it's to the person next door, wherever we go, we become the carriers and the pullers of the presence of God. And so we change things wherever we are. When there's no faith in an area, God will take somebody of faith and put the faith in there and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Where people are in bondage, God will take somebody with faith and carry his presence into them and set them free. That's for every single one of us, friends. Not for this SAS recce elite of the Christians. Every single believer carries the authority of Jesus. Carries the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's about a minister. And Greg's saying this, he's saying, guys, don't forget that God's for you, he's not against you allow him to shape you into the person you need to be he went on to say and he said three things I want to remind you of these things he says part of the training he gave us three areas of training he said this embrace your identity remember who you are in Christ you are sons and daughters of Jesus of the, of the father you're a brother of Jesus you're a friend of God That's your, your, and you belong to the people of God. And God puts you together with the people of God. And he gives you purpose. Your identity is wrapped up in all of that. He said, never ever forget this. Forget that. And he said, one of the tests that we will face when we're developing identity and developing call is the test of obscurity. God will hide you away for years to shape you. Amazing thing, Jesus took 30 years. Jesus, 30 years. He ministered for three. We'd love that the other way. Three years of preparation and 30 years of ministry. God, the kingdom doesn't work like that, friends. 30 years. And you just think of everybody Moses, 40 years, 80 years you think of Joshua, 80 years and he was the good guy in the, in the spas you think of this over David, 20 years from being anointed to being commissioned 20 years you see, and the test of obscurity every single one of us will face where nobody notices you, nobody knows you and if there's something in our hearts that's saying please pick me, please pick me, please choose me please, and then we get miffed because nobody does the very thing God wants to deal with. You see, it's not about the recognition of people. It's about the audience of one. And you be faithful with what God's called you in the sphere that he's given you and allow him to increase it. Let the gift that God has put on you open it up. The second, the second test he said that you will always face is the ability to listen to only one voice, his voice. And he said this, he spoke about the, the horses and the way they train the horses in real life is to, is to shoot guns next to them. So that they don't flinch when there's, when there's chaos around them. Because when you're carrying the king's presence, you can't be the one that's in chaos like the chaos that's around you. You've got to be the one in peace. The guns are going off, the people are going mad and you staying When everybody's looting in South Africa the church says no we don't join in when everybody's being racist in South Africa the church says no you don't join in you say no no my God my Jesus this is what it means friends you live for the voice of one you stay away from the crowd. The voice of the crowd will lure you in and tell you you're so amazing one day and like they did to Jesus, they'll murder you the next. See where? <laughs> Loving that. Now friends, I'm serious here. The crowd, the culture of the day is pulling us in one direction but Jesus, the kingdom of God is pulling us in another direction. Which one are you going to listen to? And he says, this is the test of the one that carries the presence that pulls the king's carriage The third test he said, it's working in team It's the test of the harness To be confined in team To think of others more better than yourself Actually, the kingdom of God comes in a plurality of teamliness. And God will team you with people you don't like. God will team you with people that are completely opposite to you. They speak different languages. They eat different food. They live in different places. And some of them just are just irritating. And you will put them right next to you. The tests are being harnessed. Friends, if we live in rebellion, constantly, constantly fighting authority, the Bible says rebellion rebellion is like witchcraft. Same thing. We've got to learn to carry the test of the harness, of in team, together. We don't just rush off and go off. We we together journey this process in the kingdom of God. This was great. I want to remind us, friends, these are important things. I want it to soak into us. Then Chanel comes, and she talks about the the Jordan River, the Jordan River, the Jordan River, and she says there was promise. There were promises over us as a church that were made when this church was planted. So it's not the promise of God of whoever was leading or whatever the eldership team was that was leading. It's not the promise of the eldership team. It's the promise of God to this church when it was planted. And it goes through 37, 38 years old now. All right. So through the generations and through the through the different leadership teams, the leadership styles, God puts exactly the right amount of what exactly what people are needed for this season. Even if you don't like them. God puts them there as best as we know how. And He says, I want to want you to take this group of people on the journey in my kingdom because the kingdom is advancing, the church is moving forward. And if it involves a building change, beautiful. If it doesn't, beautiful. Whatever God has for us, friends. And let me, can I I just say, the ultimate thing that God has for us is people. It's not buildings and places. It's people. We use buildings and places to gather people. It's about people. And she says, there's been seven lean years and there's going to be seven fat years. We've been leading, we're in our seventh year of leading now. Thank God there's some fat years ahead. (laughs) To be honest, to be honest with you, it actually doesn't feel like lean years right now. Did a few years ago. Doesn't feel like lean years. I'm thinking, God, if there's more fat, please, come. This is exciting. I just hope I don't go the fat years. (laughs) Can I have another... 50, 40, 30 lean years, please, in my body. But seven years, more than seven years of fat years in the spirit. And she says, I want to commend you for prayer, your devotion for prayer, your sincere worship. You've held on to the prophetic, you've held on to the prophetic promises of God. And you're hungering for the presence of God. Friends, those four things are things that this church has always done from its inception. It's a prof- we are a prophetic, the, the emphasis over us has been a prophetic group of people. This building was built. When this building was built, part of the NCMI relating churches, one of the first churches in our ranks that kind of had a building because we were always going to be a tent people so we can move and, and kind of be flexible. And then we built this building. It was like a, it was like a put faith into churches that were, that we're in partnership with to build buildings. Prophetic. One simple thing, devoted to prayer. Friends, I want to say to us over this time, devoted to prayer. I almost want to say to us, friends, our prayer meetings are more important than our Sunday meetings. Our prayer meetings are alive with faith. Nothing is going to happen in the city through the kingdom of God without a praying church. A church that does not pray thinks they can do it on their own. Or they don't care whether it happens or not. So either we don't care, it's not a big priority, or we're going to do this on our own if we do care. Friends, the the kingdom of God comes through people partnering with God, hearing God and then praying, and establishing, establishing kingdom frontiers in prayer before the physicality of it comes into being. And it's worship. I tell you, we had such at this elders at this national elders time. Greg, Taryn, and Brandon led a session of the worship. I want to say it's the best worship I've ever been in, and it wasn't me saying that. Everybody there, it was like something happened on that on that worship session. It's like people were just overwhelmed by the presence of God. Friends, God has a worship thing on this church. That is to bless the nations and to build the presence of God into people's lives. You You know you have good worship sessions, you have bad worship moments. To have a good worship moment, you need two things. You need three things. You need one, the presence of God. But the presence of God is not in short supply. The presence of God is there for as much as you want Him. As hungry as you are for Him, the more you can get of Him. It's not the presence of God is not like holding back. The presence of God is there. Please invite me in. Please, can I come in? I want more. I want more into the church. I want more. I want to be doing more. But when you have a worship, a band that is in faith and you can have bad musicians that make it difficult to worship you can mess it up but when a band is in faith more than anything and what happened on that on that Thursday when we worshiped together it wasn't musical skill that made that worship session it was worshiping hearts of the band that released something over the congregation at that time the presence of God with a band in in faith but friends, if the people, which is you and me that are standing there worshiping, are also not in faith, it's a struggle. It's the presence of God, but the presence of people. When I say present, I mean, I'm not meaning, you, are you there? you there, but you're not all there. You know you, know you can be there, but you're distracted. And, but you're there, and you're hungry, and you're in faith, and you're expectant. The power of God, the presence of God meets those moments, and those become radical worship moments. And I want to encourage us, friends, come to Sunday mornings prepared. Don't just come like, oh, church. I just put it out there. Come on time. Just a friendly, just... Because your presence matters. Our collective presence matters. And the presence of God and the presence of people come together. It is explosive faith and power. And God can start to move. Prayer, worship. Prophetic promises, hungering for the presence of God. And she said this, what you've sown in this season, you'll reap in the next. As we've sown in prayer, have we've sown in presence, have we sown in the prophetic And we're sown in worship. We're praying that God's gonna take us into more and more and more into the land as in the seven fat years. And she said the emphasis will be in the land, lost. Friends, this is about people. This is about people entering the kingdom. This is about people finding God and becoming disciples of Jesus. Not just making decisions to be Christians, becoming disciples of Jesus. Which means that you fully access the kingdom of God wherever you are. You become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You're constantly following, you're constantly being with him, becoming like him, and doing what he's doing. That's what it means. It's not just Christian on the home affairs list. Christian, religion, Christian. No, followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, somebody that gives their lives to their teacher and is constantly being transformed to be more like him. And then beginning to do what he's doing. Because he hasn't stopped doing, he's still doing through the Holy Spirit. We just got to find them. Got to partner with him. It's about the lost. It's about legacy. It's about understanding that what we're doing now is for generations to come. And I've been thinking like 20 years ahead. I'm thinking, God, the next 20 years. At this eldest time, the, the one of the, uh, Tyron was talking about the next 50 years, and I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, 20 is way too. What is going to happen And I'll be dead in 50 years? I won't be here on this planet. What are we putting in place now for the f- people that don't, will not know us? Are we establishing Jesus in their life? Are we establishing kingdom in their life? Because you know what? That leg- that when you establish a foundation of Jesus and, and discipleship and the nations and going and, and taking the kingdom forward and not just being a passive, you're a, you're a, we're not an audience, we're an army. When you establish that, friends, it goes from one generation to the next. We've got to be thinking like that. It's about young people coming in and us setting them up on a foundation. Friends, can I just say this? I'm gonna stand on all kinds of toes now. If we're thinking generations, let me say this first. I grew up playing soccer, under sixes. We have a park named Phipps Park because my dad was the chairman of the club for so long. Highway United Football Club. I started in under six, under eight, under 10, under 12, under 14, under 16, under 19 and I actually played provincial soccer under 19 so I understand, no 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 please that's cheapest I I didn't say that to get a clap at all (laughs) I'm just saying my whole life was soccer and then we come into ministry and my kids see my trophies and my kids see my photos and I'm playing soccer during the week with guys, indoor, kind of, you know. Matt used to come, as a little guy, used to come and kick the ball behind and whatever. They wanna play soccer. You know when soccer is? You know when the soccer games are? Sunday morning. So my kids, I had to make a call to say to my kids, guys, we called, to minister to God's people, which means we cannot play soccer on Sunday mornings. I am very concerned, friends. People are making decisions for their kids for Sunday mornings. And whether it be nippers, soccer, cricket, hockey, etc. And, and, and we're doing that instead of church on Sunday. And what we're teaching our kids is not to be a prophetic people. And we're not thinking generationally. Especially, especially if you called to minister and to lead in a church. You can shoot me afterwards. (laughs) Friends, I'm, I'm serious about this. It's like, it's like what we're teaching our kids. People come and say, how come your kids, uh, please don't talk to us about parenting because your kids are, are so perfect and they're so awesome. I think, you know, you don't want to learn parenting from somebody that's kids are terrible, number one. Number two, must I tell you why my kids, listen, I'm still, i have still, like I, by the grace of God. <laughs> by the grace of God, my kids are serving God and they love to be in church. Must I tell you why? because we put God first, not soccer first don't put, friends, do not put that stuff first when it conflicts with soccer my family knows don't have a birthday on a Thursday because we at prayer and if you have a do on Thursday night we're going to be there at 7 after prayer they know now, friends, that's not a legalistic, hey, Stan said I mustn't go to birthdays. No. I'm just saying, friends, we've got to live this generational life. What we do as a family, we teach our kids, and then we get cross with God because they're not following Jesus when they're in their teens. But we haven't prioritized God. Generational. I didn't mean to go there, but I did. Leaders. She spoke about leaders, and she spoke about especially in the area of children. God using our children outside of the building. She spoke about land. She spoke about owning multiple properties that will be used for different places and for different uses. It's exciting what God has for us. Friends, we've got to take those things and we've got to be praying them in. On a Thursday, we pray these things in. We take these words and we build with them now. And we build with prayer first. And we say, God, you've said we're going to take hold of Lord, what does it look like, our future? And she spoke about liberty, about freedom coming to all generations, to all people, and she said we're gonna be called large lady liberty was the word, phrase that she used. And this is what God has for us, it's exciting. More liberty, more land, more legacy, more lust, more leaders, and for all of that, you need more leaders. If you haven't got a continual flow of leadership coming through, you're never going to be able to do these things because God works through leaders. He lands on people and and puts intent on people and initiative on people, and then he takes them forward with that. It's very, very powerful. And lastly, she said this, the banner over Glenridge Church will be an authentic, devoted, holy family with a message on a mission. Man, that is the power. That's one of the most powerful statements that encapsulates us that I've ever heard, and it didn't come from anybody. Somebody that even knew us. An authentic. What you see is what you get. Devoted. People they devoted themselves when they got saved in Acts chapter two. They weren't devoted by the leaders. They were devoted. They they, they realized they were in the kingdom and Jesus was the king and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, to prayer and to fellowship. Devoted. Not whipped, not cajoled, not manipulated. The people devoted themselves. Holy family. Holy meaning different. It's a different kind of family. I probably had the best compliments I've ever had for this church. I had dinner with somebody, with Stanley and Vistine, last week or the week before. And they were just telling, they were kind of catching up and hearing their story from beginning to end. They came here when Nick was four months old from Rwanda. They were car guards. Vistine now has a master's in nursing, she's a sister. Stanley has a PhD, working at DUT. Their daughter is now a doctor. Their son works for MassMart as an RT engineer. Car guards. hard work, faith, trust in Jesus, a community of people that is building into them, sowing into them, and enabling them to have the faith, and their story is profound at every level. But you know what blessed me? They said this. You know what, Stan? They run our city home group. Which is homeless people, poor people, all kinds of people come to this home group. They meet you because it's close for guys to get you. And they said this. You know what? At Glenridge, there's a place for a homeless man. There's a place for a black family, there's a place for a white family there's a place for a colored family, there's a place for an Indian family, there's a place for a rich family and there's a place for a poor family, there's a place for a local South African and there's a place for a foreign national in this this community when they said that I almost wept I thought hey Lord this is the community we're building, a holy family that takes care of each other that looks after each other I was so delighted last week. Paul phoned me and said, hey, Flip, a whole lot of money was deposited for for Deborah. Like a lot of money. I don't even know who it is. I think that's the family of God working. Deborah's a lady that adopts children and looks after children. A holy family with a message, with a message. And I'm not gonna get there today because we're out of time, but the message is Jesus, friends. It is Jesus. We've got to trust Jesus. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 1 and look at how Jesus, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, but now they speak, now God speaks to us through Jesus, the Son. He doesn't just bring a true message, He is the message. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything. You've got full access. You have full authority. You have full availability to healing. You have everything, friends. We have a living hope. I love what it says in one, let me just read it quickly. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. Our brother is heir of all things. Our king is heir of all things. All things. Not some things. Not some things on earth. All things in the universe. All things. And through whom he made, through whom he made the universe, not only is he heir of the universe, he made it. That's who we can have intimacy with. The creator of the universe. The sun, the radiance, is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. He is the imprint of God like a stamp. It's like when, the, when you push a stamp into wax, what's left is the imprint. Jesus is what's left when God has stamped his personality, character, and favor on something. Jesus. You want to know what God looks, want to know what God's like? Look at the life of Jesus. Want to know how, what God would say? Look at what Jesus says. You want to know what God's opinion is about this? What would God, what would God say? Look at Jesus. What would Jesus say? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Not, he's, he's, not, he's not like those Greek gods that carry the world, like standing there. Ripped. <laughs> naked. He's not like that, a passive God holding things together. He's actively working and moving. He's not passive, which means he has history in his hands, which means we've got hope for South Africa because history is in his hands. This is the message of Jesus that we have, friends. He's a living hope. He purified us. He provided purifications for sins. He sat down at the right hand of majesty and so became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father and he is an ultimate superiority. Carrying the name of Yahweh. No other name higher than the name of Jesus. It's about Jesus, friends. If you can get hold of Jesus, if we can get a revelation of Jesus, if we can understand Jesus more, friends, anything is possible. It's Jesus carrying the message of Jesus on a mission. An authentic, devoted, holy family with a message on a mission. Friends, we do not exist for ourselves, we're on a mission to our neighbors and to our nations to our neighbors and to the nations to your next door neighbor as well as to the next door neighboring countries to neighboring across the ponds across the oceans we are not living in a small world in a small gospel we are living in a gospel of the kingdom of god which is international and global and we've got to get this in our hearts and say god we need to do see this we need to be planting churches South Africa and we need to be planting churches in Africa and we need to be planting churches in the continents of the world because America needs Africans more than Africans need America spiritually it's incredibly exciting this is what God is being saying to us friends and I wanted to just take this moment this morning to just massage this into us and if you're a visitor I'm so sorry this is kind of family rhetoric this is family stuff. But this applies to you also. This is not like novel, this is like just in the Bible, Jesus. And I'm praying that God would build something into us as a community. That we would become this. That we would be a people of legacy and the lost. That we would be a people of land. That we would be people of all those L's, of liberty. And we would be a people, friends, you know what was incredible? Going to this national elders. I, I mean, I, I don't. I would love to know what the percentages of are, the number of people that are on eldership, that are leading churches and leading in churches that come from this house. Friends, there's nothing that anybody is. no man has put that on Glenridge Church. God put that into the foundations of this church that this church would release leaders to the nations, and do you know who those leaders are. You some of you are going to go back to Zimbabwe but you're not going to go back as a technician you're going to go back as a church planter with faith some of you are going to go back to Rwanda but you're not going to go back as a teacher you're going to go back as a church planter God is bringing nations to this country to resource them and send them back to their nations as as church planters and influencers we need to be planting churches friends The best way to evangelize a nation is to plant churches. Not to do mission work, per se. Plant churches. Plant churches. Plant churches that plant churches. Plant churches that are on mission. Plant churches, raise up local leaders and release them into their context. That's how we get into nations, friends. The church, the whole church is on mission. On mission together. It's a profound thing when we start to wrestle with this. I get so excited. I get so excited for what God has for us. And I pray that you would get excited with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.